Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. Real inspiration for real innovators. If you're looking for innovation and leadership transformation, your journey starts now. Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. I'm the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership and the Vice President of Innovation for Territory Global. Today, we are continuing our series with a focus on innovation. My guest today is Jamie Silva. Jamie is a proven entrepreneurial product leader whose passion in life is building products with a startup mentality. His career success is a result of continuous learning and growth guided by personal and professional fulfillment. Welcome to the podcast, Jamie. Oh, thanks for having me, Natalie. So what many people may not know, a couple of weeks ago, we did a whole uh, podcast on mentorship and you were one of my early business mentors when I was first starting out in business. And so I know for sure I would not have gotten as far as I would have gotten in my life without your guidance. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks. <laughs> it's great to work with you. <laughs> well, you know what? Today we're going to unpack a really big topic. And that topic is how to make innovation approachable. Why do you think people make innovation so complicated? You know, it, it's a it's a great question, but I don't think that companies even think about it as anything. So it's not complicated because they aren't thinking about it. Um, and th what happens typically is a lot of companies is that you know the innovation ideas come from like someone at the top. And I think when we say like you know what makes it complicated, I think is that it, leaders sometimes think like I want my people to innovate, right? And they don't let them innovate always. The ideas tend to come from the leaders and they don't allow the ideas to flow from the bottom up. Um, so I think there's, there's a few different pieces there, but I, I wish more companies thought about innovation. I think a lot of them are so reactive to what their competitors are doing that they're not thinking about innovation. I'm not sure they even know how to define innovation, to be honest. Yeah, that's, that's really good. It's a very good point you're making because a couple episodes ago, I did something on the art of corporate innovation. And I talked about this idea that if ideas only come from the top of the organization, you basically are stifling the frontline people that are actually speaking to the customer. And so um, innovation is essentially blocked in your organization if it's not flowing from every level of the organization. Have you been anywhere where this has been done really well? And what was intentional about it? You know, it's kind of funny because I haven't been anywhere where it's done really, really well. Some of the innovations where I've worked, they've come from the top down, but I think people are shifting more towards innovation, right? How do they get their people to innovate? And they're seeing companies like Apple, like SpaceX, like Tesla, like Amazon, right? They're seeing these companies innovate. And I think these business leaders are now thinking like, is finally becoming, I think, something top of mind. And this is why your podcast is so great too. It's also making it top of mind that if companies want to be successful, they need to start innovating. And so, you know, in my world though, like I've seen it come from the top down and the innovation from the top down work, but how many innovations are not being surfaced from around the organization? And to what you say, like, you know, innovations come from everywhere. They can come from your customers. They can come from your sales reps, from your customer service reps, from your engineers, right? So you need to sort of get those ideas to the surface and not ignore them. Okay. You just brought up some giants there when you mentioned like Tesla and Apple and SpaceX. Let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about Tesla for sure. So they've made some really bold moves. I think, you know, Tesla for sure. The SpaceX thing, at least from my standpoint, it kind of snuck up on me and <laughs> just mm -hmm. of all that they were doing. But what's interesting is Elon Musk 
literally said that they're trying to smooth the path for advent of sustainable energy. And one of the things he did was he actually open sourced his patents. And it's a pretty bold move. Why do you think he made this bold move to open source this stuff? Well, I think one thing you you touched on just to sort of preface all this is that he has a mission, right? It's to get the world into more sustainable energy. Like it's a global mission that everybody can get behind, um, not just customers and employees, right? But everybody can get behind it as a purposeful mission um, for their company. But also besides it being a purposeful mission is that it has something that people can aim for. And it's very clear of what they're trying to do. And he also has a strategy that like, so for Tesla, the original strategy was very, very clear. It was about sustainable energy. First thing they were going to do is build a necessarily expensive car. So it had to be an expensive car. Use the funds from that to build a less expensive car and use the profits from that to build a car for the mainstream. And it took them 10 years to accomplish that, but they did because they had a very clear vision and a very clear strategy. So you talked about the patents. Very few companies would do this. And the reason why he open sourced his patents is because he, you know he has a vision to get the world you know onto more sustainable energy so that is the world it's not just his company so to do that to, he knows that he wants to like help the globe and help climate change so he knows that his company can't do it alone like even if his company had 10% of all the vehicles sold in the world in a year which is about 100 million like that's not enough to make an impact on the world as far as climate change and energy. So he wants other companies to go to battery powered cars and battery electric vehicles. Now, the reason why it doesn't threaten Tesla though, is because Elon Musk, you know, he talks about um, innovation quite a bit. And I'll talk about that in a minute, but you hear in business and in the startup world, like what's your moat, right? Meaning like what's your differentiator that nobody else can penetrate that moat that gives you an extra edge in your business that nobody can match what you're doing. Well, Elon Musk will tell you, he's like, a moat in a war is not going to protect you, right? A moat's not going to protect you in a war. They're going to have missiles and everything else. So a moat is kind of useless. Yeah. What he talks about is what's going to make you more successful than your competitors is your pace of innovation. Yeah. Right. And if you think about that, like, you know, I just saw a podcast, a video from Sandy Monroe, who, who's a car expert, and he, he took apart a Tesla Model Y. The Model Ys are the newest cars that just came out back in January. Um, and so right when they came out, this guy, Sandy Monroe, bought a Model Y and just took it apart. And they've got this new sort of what they call an octo valve, which is the way they heat the car and cool the car. And it is so innovative. It, no other car company is doing this. It saves the battery power. That also is better for the range of the car. And so Sandy Monroe is just blown away by this thing. And he's been working in the car industry in Detroit for like decades. So then this is just three months later, somebody brings him another Model Y. And Sandy Monroe looks at this Octopump and he says, they just made in three months, 13 improvements to this one Octo valve. 13 in three months. He said when he was at Ford, he couldn't get one change through in a year. And here's how Tesla's makes three improvements in three months to just this octo valve sort of heat pump. You know, so Elon Musk is constantly innovating everything, not just the heat pump, you know, manufacturing, 
they're building factories within 10 months, which is unheard of before, you know, breaking ground and cars rolling off the production line. And he's constantly trying to innovate and make it more efficient with the factories. And every new factory they build, right now they have three under construction, he says it's like building a brand new factory from scratch. They're not taking a template and just rebuilding it. They're trying to make the next one better and faster and cheaper. And he does this through the entire car. And he's trying to make it 10 times better than any other car that you drive. They're not just trying to be the best battery electric vehicle. They're trying to be the best vehicle. And if you look at the satisfaction rate from Tesla owners, it's like 99.9% of Tesla owners would buy a Tesla again. Can you tell, by the way, that I own a Tesla? <laughs> right? But you look at SpaceX. They are the first private company to send astronauts to space. It's always been done by huge governments because nobody thought a private company could pull this off. He's the first yeah. one to do it. They have rockets that, you know, again, innovations is, hey, if we can lower the cost of sending people to the space station, right, it's going to be cheaper. We can get more people to space. And by the way, his purposeful vision for SpaceX is to go to Mars. Yeah. That's why he won't go public. He wants to go to Mars. Like, so he's got this vision and he's got a strategy to get there. So all the things that they do, they're always trying to get better. So it, it comes down to not having a moat around your company. It's your pace of innovation. And we talked about earlier how filing innovation is becoming the forefront. If you want to be like an Apple or an Amazon, or you want to be like a, a Tesla or a SpaceX, you've got to start innovating. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. Just everything you just said, my mind is like going a hundred different directions right now. And so I kind of think of when we talk about Elon Musk, I don't know that there's anybody else out there like him. He's reaching so far beyond. His vision is so far beyond what anyone can really wrap their mind around, right? I, I think I saw something where he was saying like, hey, we should be having Starfleet missions. Like, why are we not exploring the galaxy? Why are we not doing that? And here's what we need to do it, right? So he not only has the vision, he has the mind, he has the know-how to do it. So when you think about this idea, the speed of innovation, how do they actually hold people accountable for that within the organization? Yeah. So, you know, it comes down to like how you get people to innovate, right? You know, companies that we've worked at before, like why aren't they doing more innovations? Like, is it because Elon Musk is a genius and he does all the innovations and it's not right. And he's come out and said this when he was talking to the air force about SpaceX and they asked him like, how do you, you know, get so much innovation? Now, one thing is he's built these companies that are so amazing that out of the top universities in the country, the top two places that people want to work is SpaceX and Tesla, right? So he's got the smartest minds coming to work for him, but that's not why they're innovating. That's not why they have innovations coming out of people. It's not because they have the people coming out of the smartest schools. It's because he creates a culture of innovation and he does that. And it's going to sound sort of like mean, but it's not, and it makes total sense. And what he says is like, look, you need to make sure that everybody who's in a role that can innovate does innovate, or at least they try to innovate. Not every role in an organization requires innovation. But if you are in a role that requires innovation, if you're not trying to innovate, then you're out the door, right? You should at least be trying. And for people who do innovate and they're successful, right, they should be rewarded huge. And for those that try to innovate and fail, there should be minor consequences. And you might think like, why minor consequences? Like, why not just fail fast, right? Because I think, and this is not what he said, I think it comes down to like, you need to make sure that people's innovations are thoughtful. You can't just have people like trying everything and failing nonstop. So if you have minor consequences when they fail, it's thoughtful innovation, right? So he's creating this culture of like innovate or die almost, right? Innovate. And if you don't innovate, then you're out the door. So you're dead to us, yeah. right? So you've got to be trying. And innovations 
you know, in, in Elon Musk's world, it, it's easy to go, well, innovations are something new the world's never seen, right? The world's never seen us go to Mars. The world's never seen a, a mass-made electric vehicle that's affordable that outperforms a regular car, right? But I think there's also, like in our day-to-day world, and to me, what, what this means, and you might have a different definition, um, innovation is doing something that you're not doing today that can advance your business and your product, your value. So example, right now, um, I am sort of a, a mentorship program for product people, right? So, you know, until I came in this role, it was a very basic, you come on, you, we hire someone new in product, we give them a little bit of training and you go on the job, right? Well, you know, in my world, it was kind of like, I need to innovate here. And this was, again, it wasn't something I came up with. It was my organization, you know, kind of challenging me to do much better and something, do it things differently. So I went in and said, okay, guess what? We're going to do a two-week boot camp. We're going to have personal development. As we develop it, we're going to actually create an entire workbook online that's going to be personalized for every person who starts. So they can always come back and reference this. have links. So it's not like we changed the world with something that the world's never seen. But it's something that we have not seen in our world. I'm at Paylocity, and you know we are an HCM. The foundational of our product was payroll to begin with, and now we started building it at full HCM, which is human capital management, which means you have performance management, and onboarding, and other things. Well, one of our executives had the idea like, wow, why don't we actually create this collaboration platform? Maybe similar to a workplaces by Facebook or a Slack. We have all this data from all the employees. We know when someone's hired, we know when they leave, we know their email address, we know their phone number, we know their addresses, we know when they're clocking in, we know their work schedules, we know their performance management. We have all this data we have about these people, these employees. Like, why don't we create this collaboration tool inside our platform, right? And none of our competitors are doing anything like it, right? So you look at that and go, wow, this, hey, well, Slack does that. So we're not innovating something the world's never seen, but we're innovating something our industry has never seen. And we're making it work. And especially with COVID-19 hitting the pandemic and how all of these companies need to communicate with their employees who are at home and collaborate, you know, through work. Like it's actually been a big plus for us to have this. And luckily we started this a couple of years ago. So innovation isn't just the Elon Musk's. You can innovate in ways in your, you know, world. I am here. I am like mentoring and training product people. I'm still innovating with what I'm doing compared to what we had yesterday. So I think there's much more to it. It's not just, it's something the world's never seen. That's really good. And I think, I'm a big proponent of moving from one industry to another because there's pockets of innovation happening in each industry. And a lot of times those don't get carried over. So I think one very approachable way to be innovative is to understand the maturity of the industry you're in and then understand the overall maturity that's happening because sometimes there's a lag, right? There could be a two-year, five-year, 10-year lag from one industry to another. So that's a way, in my opinion, to make innovation really approachable is just to say, hey, let's grab what they're doing, just like you just said with the platform that you guys built Mm -hmm. to say, it's a no-brainer for all these reasons we should be doing this. That is innovation to me. It doesn't have to be creating SpaceX. It can be creating something. It's a new idea, something that doesn't exist today. It's new to you. And so therefore, it'll be new to your customers. Absolutely. You know, and it provides value. In the day, it's got to provide value. I remember... (laughs) We worked with somebody once and he was building a platform to teach classes. It was e-learning online Um, and he was trying to drive his daily active users up. So what he did was he added video games to the homepage. (laughs) Right. So like, hey, it was innovative. He drove daily active users, but it had no real value to the business. It wasn't turning into revenue. It wasn't an e-learning class on something. It was just like a, a trick to get people to get 
they the active users up. So that's not innovation. You know, it's not value to the customer in the way that you're trying to provide it value for your company or your organization. Yeah, we call those empty vanity metrics, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like daily users are up, but there's no conversion. There's there's no value. Right. So I want to stay on this topic of large organizations and you know, why they become less innovative as they grow. I I love the book Scaling Up, and it talks about these three types of organizations. And when an organization gets to the third level, which is the elephant, they can no longer really move and innovate because they're so big and they're so overgrown. So how can large organizations like this, how can they realign back towards innovation if they're just making a lot of good money doing what they've already done? but they're not building on the future. It's so funny. I'm going to, you guys probably tell right now, I love Tesla and Elon Musk, but that's the exact problem that these legacy automakers are having today, right? Like you got the companies out in Detroit, GM and, and Ford, and they are these legacy automakers that make these gas powered cars. And the cars they put out today cannot hold up to the car that Tesla launched in 2012. Right, eight years ago, the cars that Tesla built eight years ago are better than the new cars that GM and Ford are putting out today. Because what happens is with these big companies is, well, I'll talk about like GM and Ford, is that they have all these suppliers they use, they have people buying their gas-powered cars, and they can't really go away from that and just start rebuilding new cars that are electric because they've got to make their money. They're now beholden to their stakeholders. You know, all those people who own stock in the company want to make sure that what have you done for me lately? Every quarter they got to make more revenue. So if they start going like too hard to building new electric vehicles, even though they know, I hope they know, that in 10 years, the future of cars is electric, they can't just make that switch. Large companies, a lot of them don't innovate, but you have companies like Amazon, and they're innovating a lot with Alexa, with buying Whole Foods, with their Amazon stores, all right? And I think it's just creating this mindset of innovation and giving people the ability to innovate, like give them permission to innovate. Like I would not consider myself an innovative person, even though I'm very entrepreneurial. But on the, on the flip side though, when I say, when someone says, Jamie, I'm going to challenge you to innovate with what you're doing with this sort of mentorship training program. And once I sit back and start thinking and taking the time, knowing I have permission and I'm kind of challenged and it's the expectation, then I can start innovating. I can start thinking of things um, that are different, that are as you say, you know, let's blow this box up and let's burn it, right? You've got to start taking away, erasing your mind of everything that you're doing today and give yourself permission to start looking outside of what you're doing today and think what you can do differently to add value. And I think the companies who do that are the ones that are winning. Let's back this up for leaders. Leaders, we have to give our teams permission. We have to challenge them and it has to be an expectation. And I, I think very simply, very approachably, what you just said is how you bring innovation into an organization. If you don't expect it out of your people, you will not get it. If you do not challenge them and hold them accountable to reach the bar, then there's no bar for them to reach. And if it's not an expectation, then it doesn't happen. So Jamie, as we kind of come to the final thoughts here, what would you say are some simple ways that people can innovate in their day-to-day jobs? What are just maybe one, two, three things? I think three things is one is, you know, don't put the pressure on yourself to have all the ideas, you know, um, you know, even though I said like, I don't consider myself an innovative person, but when I challenge myself and I take the time to, to proactively think, how do I need to make this better? You know, one of the things that I do is that I 
um, I'm a product person. I've been very successful, you know, I've launched some great products, but it's because I go out and talk and listen and more listen than talk to as many people to get their ideas. So when I'm building a product, I'm talking to customers and finding out what their biggest challenges are, what the biggest problems are. And I'm talking to the sales reps, the solution consultants. I'm talking to the customer service reps. I'm talking to the leaders in our organization. I'm talking to the engineers. And for me, people think like I had somebody the other day call me and say, Jamie, there's this innovation director job available at my company. And the first person I thought it was you, right? And I don't think of myself as an innovative person, but no one's better than me at finding the best ideas, identifying the best ideas, and then implementing the best ideas, right? So I don't need to be the innovator. I've got to be smart enough to go talk to enough people and then be smart enough to identify which are the best ideas that I've surfed up from all those people and then be good enough to execute against that, right? And when I've done that in my career, my products I've, I've built and created have been fantastic. I love that because what you're doing is taking a lot of pressure off of a lot of people and you're saying you don't have to have all the ideas, but you do have to know enough to see a good idea and know how to implement and execute against that idea. And to me, that's what innovation is all about, recognizing good ideas, being able to surface them and execute on them, because that's what brings innovation to the table. Jamie, any final thoughts for our listeners? The only thing that I'd add is that, you know, sometimes people do have good ideas. Like you might have some really good ideas a lot of times. And you may think like, wow, you know, my ideas are really great. And they are great. The problem is, though, if you think that your ideas are great, I've seen this a lot. People are less likely to listen to other people's ideas because they think, no, it's not my idea. We all love our ideas, you know, more than somebody else's ideas, you know? So if you are an idea person, still try and be open to listen to other ideas, give them a shot and go, you know what? It's okay if somebody else's idea is better than yours. Because at the end of the day, it's not about your ideas or somebody else's idea. It's about the customer. It's about the business. Right. So don't hold on to your ideas too much. Be open to other ideas and just make sure that you find the best innovative ideas and then you go and execute. That's what's going to be best for the customer and best for the business. Guys, you heard it here. This is my business mentor. So <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for your time today. Always. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Awesome. To learn more about Jamie Silva, follow him on LinkedIn. And to our listeners, thank you for joining the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, let's get the word out by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this episode on your social media platforms. And remember, don't just get out of the box. Break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something. Thank you for joining us for the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Innovation Meets Leadership. And visit our site at innovationmeetsleadership.com for more innovation resources. Today's sponsorship is brought to you by Territory Global. We work at the intersection of experience and imagination. We help you pinpoint problems and turn them into opportunities. We make Imagine happen. Some of the best organizations in the world choose us as their partner to help solve their strategy, innovation, transformation, story, and ways of working problems. Learn more at Territory.co.